pride, pridefulness, boastfulness, it's, it's one of these things that we all, we, I think everyone struggles with it, um, all the time, uh, sometime, at some point in your life. There's something to be proudful of. There's something to boast, boast about. And what, what Paul is going to get to is, is the fact that because we put our trust in Christ Jesus and the most important thing in this world, the most important thing in eternity, the only thing we're able to ever take with us to eternity is our salvation and this justification by faith, then is there really something for us to be proud of in our own lives? And should there be boasting in ourselves? And so that's what he's going to jump in on. But pride, pride is a big issue. Um, you know, one of the things that, that we're, we're proud about is our kids. We love our kids. We give to our kids. Uh, we invest in our kids. We do for our kids as much as we can. And for me, um, you know, it's, it's interesting going to sporting events of kids. It's interesting to watch five-year-olds play basketball or four-year-olds play t-ball or so on and so on. But you know what's even more interesting? Is watching the parents' reaction during these games. You laugh because you've been there, right? Uh, who's, more, who's more into the game, the kids or the parents? The parents. Who cares more about winning or losing, the kids or the parents? The parents, right? I mean, for me, I, it, was, it was one of these things. I, I'm very pride. I, I, okay, I struggle with some pride, okay? I do, to be honest, okay? I just, I didn't want to say that as, uh, that was pretty blunt. I, okay, I'm prideful, okay, in certain areas, and I'm asking God to help me with that, all right? One of the areas was, you know, Daisy would ask me, well, when, when are we going to put the kids in sports? When are we going to put Adrian in sports? And say, I don't want Adrian in sports until he understands how to compete. I don't want him in sports until he understands how to play the game. He's not going to go out there and shame me. I mean, that's my thought. I mean, how, how horrible is that? I'm not thinking about him. The only thing I'm thinking of is how am I going to explain to his, grand, to his grandparents and to his uncles and aunts, hey, he's playing baseball. He might not hit the ball yet, but boy, can he catch some butterflies. <laughs> how do you do that? I mean, I can't boast in catching butterflies. He caught one that was really pretty. It was like multicolored. It was like he just caught it with his hand, and then he let it go. It was still alive. He did a great job. He's a pro. I mean, I can't boast. You can't boast in that. You know, so I'm, I was like, man, I don't know. I don't know what I want him in sports. Let, let me teach him how to play some baseball. Let, him teach him how, let me teach him how to play some, some football, whatever I know. Basketball, I can't teach him nothing because I'm horrible at. But, uh, but he can watch a lot of it. And once he gets it, then I'll let him compete because I don't want him out there looking like a fool. No, I'm kidding. That's not true. I wouldn't say <laughs> I would not say that about my son. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. And so this past year was his first semester playing basketball. And, and he... he um, just what I thought. He wasn't, he wasn't really into competing. He wasn't really in, I mean, there were times he'd, he's just kind of sitting back in the back looking. He just finds a bug on the floor. Oh, look, a bug. And he just, he's just, you know, he's, he's, his mind is, he's a very curious kid. He's very intelligent, very curious. So he's just, the com, com, competition right now, if it's not against his sister, he doesn't care. If it's against his sister, it's life and death. But against other kids, he doesn't care, you know? So, uh, he played, but it was just interesting watching parents and watching them, oh, shoot the ball, shoot the ball, catch the ball. I mean, there's, a, there's 200 coaches in the room. It's, it's, it's difficult. I mean, at one point, I just thought, man, it must be difficult playing in front of all of these people because everyone's just shouting at you what to do. Catch the ball, pass it, dribble, shoot, no, block, stop him. You know, and one parent's like, tackle her. And it's like, dude, this isn't football. It's basketball. 
you know, <laughs> it's just, it's crazy. Oh, and, and don't let, and don't let someone foul the, the your, your kid. Don't let someone foul. No, no, we get mad at the ref. We get mad at the kid. We get mad at the, why are you raising your kids like that? It's like, what? It's a game. It's, it's a game, but it's, it's because of how, <clears throat> excuse me, it's because of how much pride and uh, we have in our kids. We're very proud of them. I'm, I'm, you know, and that's something that we all have to deal with and struggle with. And, and, uh, and, but for you, I mean, for you, it might be something else. I mean, for you, it might be that, that you're proud about your family. You're proud about your home. You're proud, uh, again, you might be proud, very proud about your kids, your work, your career, education, your, uh, your social standing in the city. Uh, you may be, uh, you know what? Some of us are even proud about our struggle. You know, what I mean by that is, uh, someone would say, well, I have nothing to be proud in. I, my life has been so bad. And, and every time you talk to them, all they talk about is just how bad their life is. And, and really, they're very, it's, it's, there's a pride in our own struggle. There's pride in living in drama. And, and some of us, that's what we're prideful of. So we can all find things to be proud about. We can all find things to boast about. But Paul is going to get to the heart of the issue here. And he's going to say that uh, there is no boasting when it comes to the gospel. There should be no boasting. So let's go ahead and jump right in. Let's go to Romans chapter 27. I mean, chapter 27. Chapter 3, verse uh, 27. And let's read this together. It says this. It says, Then what becomes of boasting, Paul asked? Is it excluded? By what kind of law? Sorry, let me repeat that. Then what becomes of, of our boasting is his question. And the point he makes is it's excluded. He says, but by what kind of law? By law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. Since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith, do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. So the very first thing that he addresses here, and he's coming out of justification by faith, uh, which, which was verses 21 through 26, and, and understanding justi justification by faith is that we did nothing to receive this justification. It is simply by believing and trusting or putting our faith in Christ Jesus uh, who did it for us. So that's how we're saved. That's how the justification we need for our sin is brought into our lives, is by putting our trust in Christ not our works. Not good works, not bad works, no matter what type of works it is. It's not by that. So that's why Paul then follows up with, uh, in verse 27, then what becomes of our boasting? And he says, it is excluded. It's excluded. Why? Because in the gospel, in our relationship with God and in our life, we understand that the one thing that we said earlier, the one thing that is most important in this entire universe, in eternity, is our salvation and our right standing with God. And in this faith, nor you nor I can do anything to attain that. The only way that we do that is by putting our trust, our belief, or faith in Christ Jesus. That's how we receive that. So my first point for today is this, is that justification by faith undercuts my pride and should lead me to a life of humility. Justification by faith undercuts my pride and should lead me to a life of humility. See, and the thing is, is that 
When we are being boastful, we are being proud, we're being prideful about something. The root of boasting is pride. Uh, pride was, was there when Satan was, 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 was kicked out of heaven, when he was condemned, kicked out of heaven because he said, I will put my throne above the stars. He, he wanted to be above God. He wanted to try to be like God and above God. Pride was there. It was the, it was the sin that caused that, 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 that fallout. It caused him to fall in sin, and it was pride. Pride was there when Eve took a bite uh, of, of the fruit, saying that I wanted to be like God. I want to be like God. I want to know right from wrong. Pride is evil, and pride is sinful, and pride can destroy, and pride it can be hurtful. And we have to be careful with that. When we are prideful and when we are boastful, Here's the, here's the thing. When we're prideful and we're boastful, what we're doing is we're competing against others. Pride is not content with having. Pride is about being richer than someone else. It's about being better looking than someone else. It's about having more of than someone else. It's about being smarter than someone else. It's not just about being smart. Don't fool yourselves. When we are boasting and being proudful in the things that we have, we're not proudful because we have them. We proud, we're proudful because we have something someone else doesn't have. And it creates competition. It creates division. It creates problems within our lives, our families. It creates problems in relationships of friends. It creates problems in this entire world, and it always has. Because pride is evil. So one of the things that, that Paul is, is saying here is, is that when, when we're being proud and we're, and we're boasting in ourselves, we're boasting in something, uh, the thing that we have to be careful with is, is that we will all boast in and draw confidence from the object of our faith. Did y'all get that? We will all boast in or draw confidence from the object of our faith. So when we're boasting in ourselves, who are we putting our faith in? Ourselves. When we're boasting about our kids, who are we putting our faith in? Ourselves. Why? Because we're the ones that, we, we, we're the ones that have created the miniature Adrians running around. We have control. We have somewhat, some type of control in their lives from when they're kids, and, 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 and we can bring them up to be extremely competitive, or we can bring them up to be uh, extremely smart and loving and kind, or, 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 you know, or whatever it may be. Some of y'all might want them to be violent. I, we got to talk about that, but those are all things that we can, you know, we want them to be great athletes, and, and, and we have workout regimens as fathers. We're thinking, well, by the time he's one, he's going to do 100 push-ups, a few sit-ups, needs to drink a certain amount of milk a day. If he's crawling, he'll crawl the 40. We'll time him, see what he can do. But, but it's, 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 it's because, because naturally we're, we're pride. I mean, we're just very proudful people. That's something that we have to allow the Spirit of God to help us with. And again, the problem with that is that when we're being proudful and we're, uh, we're exhibiting pride in our lives, what we're doing is we're comparing ourselves to others. You might say, well, that's not true. I just, I'm just proud of my kids for the education they've gotten and how far they've, you know, what, what all that they've been able to accomplish. And, and so how are you measuring that? Then you stop and think and you say, well, I was looking at maybe my brother's kids or my sister's kids or those kids or that kid. And it's like, okay, well then you're comparing. You're creating a natural division between people that shouldn't be there. And that's what pride does. That's what boasting does. And again, when we boast in something or someone or in ourselves, we will, um, we, we become the object of our own faith. 
church, let me ask you. So if, if something other than God is the object of our faith, will it ever fail? Yes. It will fail. And when it does fail, because our faith is in something that's not God, our life gets turned upside down. We thought we had the, the I mean, you thought you had the most amazing wife, and she does something to disrespect you, and, and all of a sudden your world is turned upside down. You thought you had the greatest husband in the world, and you boasted about him, and told your parents about him, and told your friends about him. And, and then the moment he disrespects you, not only, not only does it turn your world upside down, but you can't tell anyone about it, why? Because you've already boasted in him. So if you go boasting in him, it's going to make you look like a liar. So you don't want to talk to anyone about it. You're going to live in the hurt and the pain of that. And you're going to allow it to continue because our pride in someone who's unperfect causes us to overlook their flaws because we still think, no, they're perfect. They're okay. And that's what happens when, when we exhibit pride and when we're proud and we're boasting of others. And again, here's the thing that the, the gospel of Christ, the gospel of this justification by faith has to completely undercut pride in our lives. It has to uproot it and get it out completely so that we would know that all we have and all we obtain in this life is only because of him. It's only because of him your kids because of him, your wife because of him, your marriage because of him, your land because of him. He is the owner of it. He's the creator of it. All that we have and all we obtain is because of him. But most importantly, most importantly, the one thing we could have never done to attain is because of him, the salvation that we get through his son, Christ Jesus. So, Church, we have to remember not to be prideful people. We have to remember that the object of our faith is God. It's Christ Jesus. We put our faith in Him. We put our faith in Him because of what He did on the cross. He did what no one else could do. Nothing. No one else could do. And He accomplished it for you and me. So we have to check pride at the door with God. With God, there's nothing to be pride, prideful of. With God, there's nothing for you uh, to be boastful about. You know it, and I know it. Or will you get to heaven one day and look God in the eye and say, well, I mean, I had four kids, and they all graduated from college. I must be pretty good. No, that's not going to work. You know, it's, it's like... It's, it's, like, it's like the rich man that's drowning and he's just clutching his money while he's drowning and saying, it's okay, I have money. No, it's not. It's not okay. Because we're putting, our, we're putting our faith in something else. We're boasting about something that's not true. We're boasting about something that's not God. And the only one that we can boast in is him. Now that doesn't mean that we can't be diligent about being parents. It doesn't mean that we can't be diligent about being husbands and wives. It doesn't mean that we can't be diligent in our careers and diligent about managing our wealth or diligent uh, about whatever it may be, school, uh, career, it, or whatever it may be. It doesn't mean that you can't be diligent about that. But it's knowing that the foundation of everything in your life is Him. Not you, not where you went to school, not where you live, not the social gatherings you're invited to. It's about Him. And when we
we do that, not only are we serving God, but we can serve one another because that natural division that pride causes is now gone. And now you're willing to serve and love the person next to you because no longer are you trying to compete with them. Yeah, I caught myself doing that not too long ago. I was driving home and I looked at my lawn and I said, oh, that lawn is pretty green. Look at the lawns next to it. Yep, they're not, they're not working on it as much as I am. I mean, just, just think of the small things that we boast about. Think of the small things that we're prideful about. That mean, they mean nothing in eternity. They mean nothing in eternity. The one thing that does mean something is what Christ came to do on the cross for you and me. And that was to offer or to give or to be the justification that we needed for our sins and the forgiveness of our sins. And so, you know, again, it's just my question is, so what, what are you proudful in? What are you, what are you boastful in? You know, and some, some of the things that we can be prideful in, boastful in, is even uh, we could look at, at religion, we could look at church, we could look uh, at ourselves, we could look at relationships, and we can always find something to do that with. But again, my challenge to you is to always stay focused and centered on that. It's because of Him. You know, and that's the difference between a works-based theology and a grace-based theology. That's the difference between a, a works-based doctrine or a grace-based doc- grace doctrine. And here, here's some of the differences. Let, let me help you understand this. See, with the works-based doctrine and theology, uh, it is, I did, therefore I am saved. Hear that? Now, grace-based says, uh, Jesus did, therefore I am saved. So I know that I'm not the reason why. It's Christ. Works-based says, I'm the reason why. And because I'm the reason why with works-based, not only uh, am I able to attain salvation through my works, but I can also lose salvation through my works. So there's no room for error. Or I may lose it. I may lose it. And in grace-based theology, says that he took our errors into account on the cross when he saved us by faith. He took that. And he said, your salvation is secure in my hands. Um, another one is, I was able to comprehend that's a, that's a works-based theology. We have to be careful with that. Well, I sat down one day, and I was, was reading the gospel. And I had my dictionary next to me, and my thesaurus somewhere else, encyclopedias all around me. And as I started reading the gospel and started studying, I started understanding exactly that I needed Christ, and I was able to figure that out all on my own. But the Scripture teaches us something completely different from that. The scripture says that the only reason why I understand is because of Him. Scripture says that no one comes to the Father unless it's through the Son, and no one comes through the, to the Son unless the Spirit first draws them. It's the Spirit of God that opens our eyes. It's the Spirit of God that makes this Word living in our lives. It's the Holy Spirit that helps us understand these truths, not our own understanding. We already learned in chapter 1 and chapter 2 that if it were up to us, we would run away from God, but the Spirit of God draws us. So it's not about what you were able to understand under your own strength. It was that you were able to understand because the Spirit of God revealed it to you. There's a difference. You know, and because everything is about works, what does works-based doctrine and theology lead to? It leads to gossip and slander. It, it, it causes us to look down on others. We see someone struggling, and now we know exactly why they're struggling. They're struggling because they didn't do this like we did. They didn't, they, you know, they're not reading their Bible as much as I am. I prayed two hours a day in the morning. If only they would pray two hours a day in the morning, they'd be okay. 
And now we, we start talking about these things and we go to someone else. Hey, have you heard about so-and-so? Oh my goodness, I can't believe they're going through that. But you know what? They probably deserve it. Think of the things that we say and the things that, that come out of our hearts and out of our, out of our mouths. And part of that is because of our boastfulness and our pridefulness in our works and what we've done and what we have accomplished and, and how good we are. And that's why the gospel has to rip it out. It has to rip that pride out. Because God doesn't call us to compare us to one another. He calls us to help one another. And instead of gossiping, gossiping and slandering in grace-based theology, what do we do? We serve each other humbly in love. If someone is down, we go next to them. We, we give them a hand and we walk with them. We help them be restored. We help them through a restoration process in love. But we don't slander and we don't gossip about them. But when we live our lives based off of works and based off of merits and based off of boasting in ourselves and being prideful in our works, that's what it leads us to. I mean, we even start looking down at people because they might not have the, the, the spiritual background you have. We look down on people because of their spiritual heritage. And Paul addresses that here as well. And that's my second point. And my second point is this. My justification comes by faith and not because of my spiritual heritage. It comes by faith and not my spiritual heritage. Here's what he says in verse 28. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. But when we're prideful and we're boastful in where we've come from in our background and what we've learned or how many days we spent in Sunday school or how many steps we, we completed in, 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 in whatever religious process you've gone through to try to attain your faith or your salvation, uh, it, it causes us to look down on others. And here specifically, uh, Paul is saying God is the God of Gentiles also. In other words, in these days, he was facing Jews and the Gentiles, okay? The Jews believed that, that there was one God, and that God was the God of the Hebrew people only. And you could only attain salvation by becoming a Jewish person, by going through their circumcision, through all of the things that they had to do. But that was the only way you could attain salvation. And he was saying, no, in this gospel, no one is excluded. He is the God of Gentiles also. He's the God of this entire world. And he pointed something out to the Jewish faith that they couldn't argue. He said, don't you say that God is one God? So if there's only one God, he must be God of everybody, of this entire creation, of every single person. Therefore, he is the God of Gentiles as well. He said, no one is excluded. It doesn't matter if, if up until yesterday you had never, or up until today you had never stepped foot in a church. It doesn't matter to God. The only thing that matters to God is that you and I come to understand that the only way that we can be justified in his eyes is by putting our trust in his son, Christ Jesus, who was the perfect fulfillment and sacrifice that was required for us to be justified. That's it. So we have to be careful with our pride and our boastfulness, even in our religions, even in our churches, even, even in, 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 uh, in, in, in what we may believe uh, we did in order to attain that. We have to be careful with that, and we have to not look down on people because of that. 
And what naturally happens is not only do you look down on them, but we also begin to reject people. Have you ever had someone come to you wanting to know about God or, or you felt like you needed to share the gospel with them, but you look at them and you're like, oh, oh there's no hope. Moving on. It's funny, but, but it's true. A lot of us have done that. And we're all guilty of that at some point. Oh, there's no hope. It's pretty bad. I wasn't there. You know, and, and we're looking down on them. And not only, not only did we just judge them, but now we just, we, we just withheld the gospel of Christ from them instead of sharing it, which is what, what Scripture calls us to do. So we have to be careful with that. We have to be careful with that. And know that there's two things that we have to know with this about our spiritual heritage. Number one, no matter where you've come from, no matter what you've done, no matter how many Bible verses you've memorized, uh, no matter how many steps you've taken to secure your salvation, unless you put your trust in Christ Jesus for that justification, none of that matters. None of it. It doesn't matter if you've come to Grace Bible Church for 32 years. If you have not put your trust in Christ, then it matters not. It doesn't matter at all. The only thing that matters is if you've put your trust in Him, in that justification by faith. doesn't matter how many prayers you thought you've made. doesn't matter how many scriptures you've read. If you have not put your trust in Christ Jesus, it doesn't matter. We need to put our trust in Him. That's how this comes about, by faith. The other thing that we have to keep in mind about this is that, again, because it doesn't exclude anyone, it doesn't matter what sins you've committed. It doesn't matter what family you come from. It doesn't matter what city you grew up in. It doesn't matter what social class your parents were a part of or you're a part of. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter. I mean, it, it, those things just don't matter. Nothing matters to God. You won't be excluded if you put your trust in Christ Jesus. This justification by faith is for all. And that's, that's what Paul's point is when he says, is not God the God of Gentiles also? He's the God of all. And I think that is something that we can be encouraged about. And especially if someone in here is coming in here for the first time and you've never really heard the gospel, you've never heard something about justification. This is the first time you're hearing about the term justification by faith. Well, let me tell you today that it doesn't matter what you did yesterday. It doesn't matter even what you did before you walked in. The Holy Spirit can still open your eyes, open your heart to understand and see the truth of this justification by faith and salvation through Christ Jesus and calls you to put your faith in Him. And my prayer is that that would happen for you today. Because no one is excluded from this. No one is excluded from justification by faith as long as they put their trust in Christ Jesus. They put their faith in Him. No one. So we have to be careful with that. We have to be careful with, with thinking that someone's condition is just too bad. We have to be careful with thinking that someone's sins are just too horrible. They're just horrid. They're bad. You know, and that reminds me of a story in Scripture. That reminds me of the story of Jonah. Do you remember that story, Jonah in the belly of the, in the, belly of the well? And uh, we, we like to talk about that in children's, children's church. We like to talk about that and learn about that in Sunday school. But the truth of the matter is this. God was calling Jonah to go and speak to the Ninevites. 
that God might show them mercy. And Jonah said, they're not worthy of your mercy, so I'm not going. They're not worthy of your mercy, God, so I'm not going. And he fought and wrestled with God for a while until he finally ended up in Nineveh. And God did, God did exactly as Jonah thought he'd do. After Jonah went and spoke to the Ninevites and gave them the message from God, God showed them mercy. And that's what Jonah didn't want. And sometimes we become like Jonah because we see people and we see their sins and we just see how bad they are and we're thinking to ourselves, God, I don't want you to save them. They don't deserve you. They don't deserve love. But we were the same sinful people they were, just with different issues. So we have to remember, no one is excluded. We're called to share the gospel with everyone. And when we do that, the Spirit of God then works with their hearts and in their hearts and deals with them directly. That's what, that's what happens. Sorry, I'm looking at the clock and I'm seeing 1130. It's 1230, right? Yes, am I correct? Sorry, all right. We'll edit that out of the video. So we have to be careful with that. And here's another, and so as Paul is, is working through this text and he's, and he's writing this, he says, number one, there's no boasting. God is the God of everyone, Gentiles also. And uh, the last thing he, he, comes, he comes upon is the law. So here's the thing, and this happens to us a lot. Okay, so we're saved by grace. We're saved through faith alone. Now what with works? <laughs> That's a good God because now that means I can do anything. I can just sin, li- sin in life and it doesn't matter. But Paul says, no, that's not true. In verse 30, uh, he says this. In, in verse 30, he says, since God is, okay, sorry, 31, he says, uh, do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. He says, we uphold the law. So this entire notion that because I'm saved by grace, the, the law doesn't matter, that's not true. If the law didn't matter, in the, it, let me just ask this. If the law was not important, why would God send his son to fulfill it completely? See, Jesus died for the very purpose of fulfilling the law. So wouldn't that make the law extremely important to God? That he would send his son and give him his son completely to the point of death to be the perfect sacrifice for the law. And that's what Jesus did. That's why it says that he came to fulfill the law, not to abolish the law. Jesus is the only person who came into this world and lived the law perfectly. Did everything perfectly. Did everything perfectly. He's the only one that can say, that can stand and say, I, I, I obeyed every single point of the law. All 660-something odd commandments, I obeyed them all. I did it all. He's the only one that can do that, yet he was put on that cross. So my third point is this, is that our obedience is a result of our salvation, not a means to it. So we've established that the law is important and the law isn't to be thrown away. It's not to be thrown away. But sometimes we might feel that a justification by faith uh, and this grace uh, doctrine, the grace, the, the, the salvation in grace or through grace, uh, we might at times think that that's a ticket for us to continue sinning. But he says here, no, we must uphold the law. We must uphold the law, okay? So what we have to understand, number one, is we've already established that no works can get us into 
justification before God. No one, no, no works that we can do can justify us before God. Nothing can save us that we do. The only way that we can be saved is through Christ Jesus through faith. Okay, so we've already established that. So we have to know that our works are not a means to salvation. It's not a means to salvation. It's a fruit of salvation. Once you come to understand the truth of the gospel of Christ Jesus, and you come to understand the love that God has for you and me, then in our love, in turn, we obey him. We obey his law. We live out his law. We live out our lives in obedience. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. That's our love to him. Our salvation is not a result of, of obedience. But after we're saved, our obedience is a fruit of our salvation. It's the fruit of God's love for me and my love for him. <clears throat> when we at some point finally realize, we, we realize that we were all sinful people running away from God. And Paul paints that picture great in the first three and a half chapters. Then we understand that God looked down on a bunch of people who didn't want him, didn't like him, hated him, uh, disobeyed him, spat on him, and he said, it's okay, I'm still going to love them. Then we understand what true love is. We, we understand this amazing love that God has shown us through his son Jesus in this justification by faith. And then in turn, our love for him is lived out in obedience to him, in obedience to his word. So no, the law isn't thrown out. We don't forget about the law. Jesus summed the law up in two commands. Love the Lord your God and all your heart and all your might. And love your neighbor as you would love yourself. That's what he said. And all of the law, everything from the Old Testament, everything from that, that God gave Moses in the wilderness is summed up in those two things. And then Jesus after that says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. That's what he calls us to, church. He calls us to know and understand that our works can't save us. But after we're saved, the works flow from us because we understand this great love. And how might this look for you at home? We talked about boasting, and like I said, it's not, it's not that we can't be diligent about the areas of life that are important to us. It's not about that. But it's, it's, it's about always knowing and understanding that the center of it all, the foundation, the cornerstone of it is Christ Jesus. That's what it's about. So you might be a person that you, you may struggle with pride. And like I said, a lot of us do. For you, it might be a simple prayer in the morning where you just sit down and say, Father, I want to just thank you because I know that all I have is from you. And what that simple prayer does is it helps you remain focused on the Father, on Christ Jesus the entire day. So that at some point you may want to just boast about, well, I got, got to remember that's, it's just because of God. It's just because of Him. For some of you in your marriage, it, it could be just 
simply praying together once a day, just saying, Father, we just thank you because your word is the one that teaches us how to live a healthy marriage. Your word does that. No, nothing else, no one else. So I want to thank you because you've given me that. You've given us that. And we can practice that. And we might not be perfect, God, but we can put it to practice in our marriage. And therefore, you're not being boastful about your marriage. You're not being boastful about you and your wife. You're understanding that the center of your marriage is Christ and his word and how it teaches us to live together. It may be someone who really struggles with being proud about your kids. It's, it's saying a simple prayer with your kids and saying, Father, I know and understand that the only reason I have these gifts and treasures are because of you. There are many people who can't. Many people who don't, but I do, and I know that they're a gift from you. And I just want to thank you for that. I want to thank you because your word tells me to be a good father. Your word tells me to instruct them in your ways. Your word tells me not to aggravate my kids, but to teach them and discipline them in the ways of the Lord. And my faith is in you, God. It might be about your finances. It might be about your career. But somehow, some way, in your step, at work, at home, wherever it may be, just taking the time to remember that He is the source of everything. And so that keeps us grounded and focused on Him. And now we won't live in pride. We won't live boasting. And we won't live causing divisions with others and, and, and causing hate between us and others and, and casting others aside and judging others and thinking we're too good for them. No, we won't do that because we'll live with our eyes focused on Christ knowing that it's only through Him. And if He could do it in my life, then He can do it in their life. It doesn't matter. And then can you imagine what type of impact that happened in a church, in a church that's solely focused in Christ Jesus, that's not focused about our programs, we're not focused about the, the, the 10 steps to recovery, we're not, we're not boasting about that, we're not prideful about that, we're simply focused on Christ Jesus. And the only thing we ever want to talk to someone about is the gospel of Christ. The only thing we want to talk to someone about is this amazing love that gave us this justification by faith, even when we didn't deserve it. That would be the only subject we ever want to touch with anyone else. Because we'll know that he's the center of it all. And the greater impact that we can have being a church that's not boasting, that's not causing division between other churches and, and, and saying that we're better and we're this. No, 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 no. We're simply focused on him. That's it. We can have a great impact. And this community could come to know God through the humble service of his people. Just as the son came to serve, we would go and serve our community, our family and friends, and ourselves and each other.